Welcome to the Lessons for Living television program. My name is Bill Santos. Thank you so much for watching. You know, on today's program, we've invited Dr. Barry Bussey to join us once again. And we're going to have a discussion around issues of the law and how they intersect with religion, the importance of the charter, and all kinds of, I think, important issues that you and I as Canadians need to be made aware of. And I can't think of a better person to translate all of that legal terminology and into layman's terms than Dr. Bussey. So, Dr. Bussey, welcome. Thank you so much. It's great to be here, Bill. Oh, it's always great to have you with us. And uh, uh, for the benefit of those that maybe are joining us for the very first time, why don't you give us a quick, a quick, a quick, a quick uh, bio of, oh. of who you are? And yeah, uh, well, I've been uh, a lawyer for I don't know thirty some odd years now. It seems, uh, and uh, but from Newfoundland originally, uh, we uh, moved back up here to Ontario in '96. Been involved with a lot of um, uh, charities as in-house lawyer. Uh, in-house counsel, we call it. And um, then uh, about uh, almost a year ago, started up uh, First Freedoms Foundation, which is uh, an organization that is primarily focused on freedom of speech, freedom of religion and conscience, and the inviolability of the person, which means basically the government can't just come and take you and pull you off the street and put you in jail without the proper rule of law, as it were. So it's... Um, uh, those are areas that we are addressing, but of course, uh, many areas will, you know, uh, coalesce around those those three major points. And if folks wanted to contact you, is there a website? That yes, yeah, uh, firstfreedoms.ca, and uh, you'll find all kinds of information there, our blog, but we also have um, our own uh, freedom feature program where I interview with a, a lot of um, different policymakers, uh, lawyers, uh, law professors, journalists, um, pastors, um, uh, talking about the issues um, dealing with law and religion, but also law and public policy as it deals with freedom of speech and so forth. Yeah, uh, yeah I think I think it's a tremendous uh, it's a tremendous work you're doing. I would encourage our viewers to to, to check it out. If you go to our page. Uh, our, our website, l4ltv.com, under the previous programs tab, there is a, a link directly to First Freedoms Foundation. Okay. I would encourage all of our viewers to check that out and to support it, right. to support Thank your you. group, because I think it's, uh, I think there has to be more an awareness. I think we as Canadians have been a little complacent. I mean, I can speak for myself only. Yeah. Always assuming that the freedoms that, you know, I'm 60 years old, right? So as far back as I can remember, mm you know, that these freedoms that I've had to express myself and to move around within this country and work and, you know, yep. um, were pretty much... A given. A given, yeah. Yes. I'll be honest with you. I was, I, you know, yeah. and, you know, over the last couple of years, uh -huh. I, you know, I'm not a lawyer. Mm -hmm. You know, as a pastor, I've been concerned. Mm -hmm. And uh, when, you know, one of the reasons why... We've had you on, you know, a little bit more frequently is because, mm -hmm. you know, um, and so I, I always appreciate your take on this mm -hmm. and uh, the awareness that you create that we as Canadians need to be aware yeah. of what, you know, what the charter is, what the role of government is, what the role of the judiciary is, and, uh, 
and if and uh, if if things are, are are being misinterpreted or not, you know, that we need to be active. We need to be much, and we've been way too passive. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's <clears throat> kind of in the Canadian DNA almost. We've been very passive as as a people when it comes to government. We we have we have the assumption uh, that government is good, right? Uh, you know, peace, order, and good government. That's that's written right in our constitution. Um, and, and by and large, in many ways, government is good. Right. But we've got to recognize that our freedoms does not come from government. Mm. It's an inalienable right to us as human beings. We have freedom of speech, freedom of conscience, freedom of religion, and so forth. In other words, those first freedoms. Those, those original, first freedoms. Yeah. Yeah. And, and on those first freedoms, the other reason why we call it First Freedoms Foundation is because those freedoms actually have made possible other freedoms. Got it. Right? You know, freedom of speech, for example, is, is so crucial. I mean, we may disagree on something, but as long as I will allow you to speak your mind, even though I disagree with you, uh, it is in that interaction that we can have further discussion and being able to find out what the truth of whatever the issue is that we're discussing. True. And what, what's going on today, Bill, that's, that's very disturbing is that we've got a, a mindset that has come in through um, the academia, i.e., you know, the professors and so forth at the universities, in, uh, you know, all the law schools, in the uh, media, in government, and all of the various civic organizations that are, activi- uh, are activists for one cause or another, but particularly with the so-called progressive ideologies. Mm. And... You know, progressive sounds great, right? Yes. Because it's progress. Right. Well, in my view, it's not progress uh, because what's happening is, is they're cutting down on free speech. And that is never progress. If we cut back on free speech, we're not going to be able to, to just be able to understand the world in which we live. Right. We're not going to even be able to understand who we are as human beings. Right, right now, the definition of a human being is up for grabs. Right. You know, we got all of this uh, talk about, you know, uh, interfacing with the human body, with computers, with, with all kinds of, you name it, right? We're, we're, we're in a very serious situation where we don't even know... Um, uh, who we are as, as, as human beings. And, and so we, we need to have that debate, but what's happening is, is that debate is being stifled. Right. And, you know, we, we talk about uh, terms, okay, progressive. Think, talk about another one is woke. Um, the idea here is that you awaken to a new reality or, you, you, you know, kind of like the, the blinders are taken off your eyes and now you can see what's yes. going on. All of the all of the, um, uh, the oppression that goes on. And what, what, what's happening is, is that in many ways, um, uh, victimization is being um, applauded in, in the sense that um, if you're a victim, you go up higher on the scale. Mm. So you get to get more government programs and all of these kinds of things. And I mean, it's a lot more complicated than that. And I'm just, you know, we don't have a whole lot of time yes, to get into it. But... The point of the matter is, is that we've got this um, progressive ideology. Now, uh, there is a concept in politics known as the Overton window. The Overton window is kind of like that which is considered acceptable 
in a in political discussion. Okay. All right. So, um, in other words, if you go too far over here uh, to the left, okay. Well, no, that's that's unacceptable. Okay. You go too far over here, that's unacceptable. But there's this this happy medium. The problem is, is the Overton uh, window is being shifting back and forth. Got it. So now, the progressive ideology, the ideology that says, you know, that, uh, you know, gender is up for grabs, that um, all of the uh, traditional ideas and views of what it means to be human as far as the, um, you know, the Judeo-Christian understanding, for example. Um, all of these things are now being, being questioned, but okay. questioned so that if you hold a view that's different from the progressive ideology, you're wrong. Mm. And not only are you wrong, you should not even be given an opportunity to be able to speak. Mm. And so therefore, you don't have freedom of speech. And as a result of this kind of mindset, uh, we are seeing freedoms getting less and less. And, you know, we're, we're absolutely naive if we think that if we lose our freedom of speech, well, you know, um, government is good, it's going to treat us well, and all the rest. Well, that is very naive. Right. History tells us that that's not the case. Exactly. Like, if we have to be relying upon government for our freedoms, our freedom of speech is not something that government grants us. It's something that we have as an inalienable right to us as a person. Now, our philosophical understanding of the world that really gave us the charter was, was a philosophy known as liberalism. Okay. And liberalism came up as a result of, okay, so if you think of back in history real quick, uh, we've got the Reformation, right? So there's a whole big religious debate and discussion, and then we get into um, uh, the, the, the struggles between government and religious communities and the fights that went on, the literal bloodshed on the fields of Europe. Um, and then we come into what they call the Enlightenment period, where we go for a, a very secular mindset. Let's, let's get religion out of politics. Let's get religion out of the state. And, um, but in essence, the Enlightenment uh, nevertheless had these basic moral views that were very much mirrored on the Christian okay. experience, okay, the okay. Judeo-Christian experience. But yet it was secular in approach. Then from there, we got into a liberal philosophical understanding. So we could come into our uh, modern age of democracy, you know, where you get the increasing of the suffrage for people to vote, men, women, and, and individuals who are, you know, reach an age of 21, or now it's 18 and whatever. Um, but, but there was this idea that you would maximize the individual freedom as much as you can. Okay while maintaining civil peace. Right. Okay, that then is how we got our charter. So all, okay. all of the values of the charter have a long history, have a long historical uh, point of view. And so if you look at the, at the charter, you get these kinds of statements. From the very beginning, the preamble says, whereas Canada is founded upon principles that recognize the supremacy of supremacy of God and the rule of law. Mm. And, you know, there's a big debate within the 
legal faculties. What does supremacy of God mean? And, um, uh, you know, there's all kinds of, of uh, arguments that are being made on that. Some say, well, it really means that uh, the law needs to be humble and recognize that the law in and of itself is not the end and be all. Okay. But that there is something outside. Right. Right. So then that gives us back to our thoughts with respect to uh, natural law and, you know, the inalienable rights of individuals, that kind of thing. And inalienable rights of individuals became extremely popular after World War II because of the Holocaust and all that went on. But prior to the Charter, we had the Bill of Rights in 1960. Okay. And in 1960, listen to this. In 1960, the preamble, which is one, two, three, four paragraphs long, but I'm going to read just a wee bit of it, okay? Uh, because this this was came into law in 1960, and um, it doesn't have constitutional significance um, in the sense that um, it only governs federal regulated. Um, regulations, law, okay. and that stuff, right? Okay. It doesn't deal with the provinces and all the rest. But, uh, and it was Diefenbaker's attempt to try to bring in a Bill of Rights. Okay. Uh, but it wasn't, it wasn't constitutionally entrenched like the Charter is. Okay. Okay. And uh, so here's what it says. The Parliament of Canada affirming that the Canadian nation is founded upon principles that acknowledge the supremacy of God. Mm. So you see the the, the language of the charter has some history to it. Exactly. Right? And there was this understanding okay. of this, this notion yes. of supremacy of God. Right. Well, we have gone so far beyond that, it's not even funny. Uh, it says here, the dignity and worth of the human person and the position of the family in a society of free men and free institutions. I, I, I particularly love that kind of language that comes out of the, the, the Bill of Rights, hmm. uh, the Canadian Bill of Rights. Okay, coming back now, as I mentioned on the last program, the Charter is dealing, acts as a buffer between the state and the individual. individual right. It's the, this asymmetrical relationship, right? It's this uh, uh, vertical relationship. Okay. Now... What's extremely important for us to understand is that in the charter itself, it says in section one, it says the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms guarantees the rights and freedoms set out in it subject only to such reasonable limits prescribed by law as can be demonstrably justified in a free and democratic society. Okay. All right. So what that does is that allows the 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 judges to determine what is the reasonable limit to the right. Okay. Because no right is absolute. I mean, I have an, uh, I, if I have a right for freedom of religion, well, I don't have the right to decide that my religion says that I drive on the left-hand side right. of the road, right? Um, there is a reasonable limit to, right. to my right. Okay. But the judges now get to decide that. But if we are now in a, uh, so, the, historically, when, when the, um, uh, like, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, um, we would have uh, decisions that would be made by courts, there was 
um, the courts in Canada in particular were known as to be very, very careful not to stray into public policy. Okay. Okay? And so they would make a very strict uh, interpretation of the law. Well, what's happened is since the charter has come in, the courts have been going, jumping right into public policy. And so as a result, they are making decisions that affect us on the ground um, every, right. every year, right? right? They're, they're making these decisions. Right. But they get to determine what the reasonable limit is. Right. And how you determine what the reasonable limit is is going to be dependent upon your philosophy of life, on your understanding, your ideological positioning. Right. And so when you've got this progressive ideology, which is currently in vogue, you now got a situation where if you are not progressive, you're wrong, mm. okay? And so therefore, to be neutral is now to be progressive. Got it. And so then the judges are making these decisions based on a very secular um, uh, ideological position. Yes. You know, this progressive mindset. Yes. So that is where we are, and this is why it's becoming uh, very, uh, very concerning. So, for example, in the last program, you said, well, okay, so if I'm a member of a religious community, and, you know, should my right to religious freedom be dependent on what my religious community says? on whatever the issue exactly. is, and you, you use the issue of vaccine, right? Well, the courts have said, no, it's that of the right of the individual, okay. right? That's how it's been. But now with this progressive mindset, our identity, whether we're male or female or whatever other gender, if we are from a particular race, if we're from, you know, you name the identity, that then determines um, that then determines as to whether or not we are victims or we are uh, minorities that need special protections, and so then then uh, issues of equality come in, and right now uh, in the courts the issue of equality is it's a section 15 right, but it is one of the ones that is most sensitive. Hmm. Uh, the courts are being making more and more decisions based on equality. So, if you've got a law school or a Christian university that wants to have a law school like we did like, with Trinity yeah, Western, right. then the fact that Trinity Western has a view on marriage that is a traditional view of marriage of one man and one woman, then the, just having that alone is enough to say that, no, you... You, it's okay for the government regulator, i.e. the law society, to say, no, this, this violates right. the charter values, right. um, which is kind of like the spirit of the charter, and therefore you shouldn't get it. So in other words, you're wrong right. in that view. Right. right. And because you're wrong in that view, you're not entitled to any government recognition, i.e. as a licensed uh, law school. So that is where, where we are and why it's so difficult right now uh, for many people uh, as we're trying to understand, it's very difficult to understand, why is it if we have the charter that we would have a situation right. um, where that charter right is not being 
being recognized. And, and so it becomes a, a huge, big, massive debate. And certainly, you know, uh, judges have a lot on their plate trying to figure it all out. But, but it's the philosophical understanding uh, that goes behind right now that helps interpret uh, the Charter. I can assure you that if the Charter existed 100 years ago, it would be interpreted very differently from the way it is today. Now, a lot of the progressives would say, well, yes, of course, because... We've evolved. That, we've, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we have gone way beyond the, the uh, you know, the racist and misogynist ideas of the past. We're now, you know, we're, we're further advanced. But the question is, if we're not going to allow some of the basics, i.e. freedom of speech, then how far advanced are we? And I think it's open for debate, but I can tell you right now that a lot of people across this country are afraid to open their mouth, are afraid to debate because they do not want to get caught up in this, yes. in this whole backlash that's going on. You, you recently spoke to Brian Peckford. Yes. Who is, I think, the only living, uh, what do they call them? So, so he was a signer of the, oh, the, charter, the charter back in 1982. What is yeah. his take on what he's Well, sees? listen, he, he's just like, I, I, I find his uh, understanding of the charter uh, very fascinating, right? Because he, he would say that that's section one um, argument that the courts are using. He said that, that was only supposed to be used in extreme you, circumstances. You would think, yeah. Right? And uh, he said it wasn't supposed to be used on every single case. Right. Um, which is quite phenomenal, really, to, to make that argument. And it's certainly not one that, uh, as I went through law school, that we were even, like, it wasn't even in our minds. Uh, or, like, the professors never, ever thought, taught that. But, uh, you know, he maintains that's, that's what it was when, when they were discussing the Charter. But again, you see... The charter from the very beginning now has a very... See, the courts use the term living tree. The Constitution is like a living tree. Oh, okay. And so as the society changes, you know, and, and, it, and we've got to allow the Constitution to grow. Right. But what happens is, um, is that those uh, living tree analogy allows the judges to actually, in many ways make amendments to the Constitution without going through the amending formula. Exactly. Uh, because they have that much power, see? So that's, that's, um, that's where the struggle goes in. So this is a, this is a huge debate, huge and we need to have a discussion. We need to keep talking it. Yes. Um, and, you know, lots of people will say, well, you know, the religious people or people who have these traditional conservative views, you know, you're wrong and therefore right. you should... No. Uh, we need to have a debate. We exactly. need to continue the discussion. Yeah, I, I always found it fascinating that our charter begins with how would be the circumstance for it not to be applied. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it starts right off with that, right? Yeah. In these conditions, it would not be applied. But as a layperson, I always thought, too, that that would be the exception yeah. and not... And not uh, um, and the so, rule. The rule. As a yeah, rule. And, yeah. You know, yeah. and the rule. And so yeah. oh, there is so much more. We oh, there's, there's a lot. <laughs> there's yeah. so much more we <laughs> can talk about. But thank you. Thank you for bringing awareness to us. Yeah. Thank you for explaining it in a way that uh, a lay person like me can understand it. And I always end these programs a little bit more anxious because I realize that the situation is more dire yeah. than maybe we that we're aware of. Yeah, and we, and we need to be thinking about, okay, what now? Right. How do we live in this um, environment that we find ourselves? Well, thank you. Okay. Thank you, Dr. Bussey. Let's pray. 
Gracious God, loving Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for everything you do for us. How you love us. You, you, you're so gracious and merciful towards us. You forgive us. And Father, you have given each and every one of us these freedoms, these, these rights. And we just humbly ask that um, you continue to guide our nation, the decision makers, the uh, politicians, the, the judges, that uh, these, these freedoms may be preserved and we may be a nation that glorifies you. Thank you for loving us and bless each and every viewer, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've come to that time in our program where we have our special offer. On each and every broadcast, we'd like to make a resource available to you to help you better understand God's will for your life. And uh, today, uh, we will be sending out a uh, copy of Vibrant Life magazine. Uh, this is a magazine that we've used on a number of occasions. This particular edition I have here is a special edition that talks about hope, and uh, hope is alive. Uh, we'd love to send you a copy of Vibrant Life magazine as a gift from Lessons for Living Television. There's no obligation whatsoever on your part. The magazine will arrive in your home postage paid. You will never receive an invoice. You'll never be asked to pay for it. It's a gift from our ministry. If you are interested in requesting a copy of Vibrant Life magazine, pay close attention to the information we're about to provide you. To receive today's free offer, you can log on to the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. That's the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. You can also write us at Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. That's Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. If you live in Canada, this offer will be sent out to you free and postage paid. For viewers living outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you wish, you can order this offer by calling our 1-800 number at 1-800-972-0337. 1-800-972-0337. Well, we've come to the end of another Lessons for Living television program. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, I hope you're enjoying these programs on uh, religious liberty and the charter and all of these important issues that we as Canadians, I think, need to pay closer attention to. And I want to thank Dr. Bussey for joining us again and great to be here, helping us with some clarity on those. Just remind folks again of First Freedoms Foundation and how they can get a hold of you. Yeah, so First Freedoms Foundation is uh, www.firstfreedoms.ca. There will be a link on our website, on our previous programs page. Just go there. There's a link. It'll take you straight to First Freedoms Foundation. Check that out. The interviews, the blog. Make a donation to help keep these important organizations alive that keep these issues top of mind for Canadians. So important. I want to remind you of a couple of other things. Uh, our Instagram page, and uh, follow me on Instagram, Santos underscore Bill. Every morning, 6.30 a.m. Eastern Time, we put out a one-minute devotional video. Great way to get your day started, focused on things of heaven. Check that out, Instagram, Santos underscore Bill. Like our Facebook page. Um, go to our website, LessonsForLivingTelevision.com, L4LTV.com. You can check out where we're going to be appearing live. You can even make a donation 
Uh, there's a Donate Today tab, and uh, we are a charitable organization, so any donation you make is eligible for a receipt for income tax purposes. We are all out of time. Thank you so much for watching. We hope you'll be back again next time. God bless you. We'll see you back here soon.